Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? <laughs> Good. Do you, have, do you have a preference? Would you would you want you want to try some different ones? Go, uh, let's workshop it. Okay. Um. I, I I need your help. So, what mm-hmm. do you say? You say hello, right? Hello. Hi, John. This hmm. no no. Hi, John. Mm. Hey, guys. Mm. Let's see. Uh, we could try the other way around. <laughs> 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 That sounds right. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's it. It is what it is. Yeah, I know. Do you agree? Yeah, no, no, no. I do agree. It's a corollary to being in the show, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or a (laughs) corollary. You're not supposed to make fun of that. (laughs) Oh. A corollary of Panevos. Uh, Skibetti. I say that a lot now. Do you? Um, That's good. That makes me happy. Oh, well, you, I mean, I mean, mm. I don't like yeah. to draw the connection because, you know, we're, we're trying to be nice, but, yeah. and, and do what we're told by our children. But, uh, the big one is Bastic. Oh, that's, that is, that is canon in our house now. It is. It became a, it became a, a thing. Oh, oh yeah. Funny. I just put in the Bastic. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, you and I go back and forth uh, a lot uh, uh, where we say say things to each other on the texts. And I noticed when I just uh, was having a little computer problem, I said, oh, I'm having a computer problem. And you said, Roger, in reply. Mm-hmm. And I remember very distinctly a friend, a guy by the name of Peter, uh, was the one that started me saying, Roger, in reply to huh, your friend Peter from like high school? No, he was a he was a a, a, a Seattle guy, a, a grunge era friend. He said Roger in the nineties. He said Roger. Yeah, and I was you know I came up in airplanes. I mean I'd certainly uh, <laughs> heard Roger used that way, mm-hmm. but I didn't. Uh, it hadn't. It wasn't part of my lexicon. It wasn't like if somebody said, "All right, we're all going to meet at seven, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have said Roger. Yeah, I would have said, "Oh, Ack. okay," and Ack. And so this this guy Peter said Roger, and I adopted it, and and then it became a it became a thing that I just said, and then Johnny Appleseeded everywhere, you know, because I say mm. Roger in reply to everything. And just 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 so you know, I mean Roger and Wilco, they they can do mean different things, correct? Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, Roger mm-hmm. is message received. Wilco is will comply. Will comply. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But interesting. Then, and you, you, Johnny Appleseeded that. Yeah, I feel. I feel like I feel like I have said Roger for so long in reply, and it's such an elegant way of saying "ack," acknowledge. Right. Um, that I. It's, just, a, it's a little friendlier to the non-dorky lay person. Yeah, it's. it's They're going to think like you're a, doing Kathy or build a cat. It's a thumbs up. Roger is a is is a thumbs up emoji, right? Yeah. But uh, but the real one for me was Scott Danbaum, a piano player of the late great Centromatic band. Mm-hmm. Scott Danbaum, this is gonna I, I'm outing myself now. Okay. Was was the first person in my adult life to uh, call somebody a ding dong. Whoa! So Dingling came from somewhere else because that has been widely adopted now by yeah. me and others. 
Well, but ding-a-ling was a what? what we, you know, we, did, we talked about this at least it's a, once. It's the a distinction. corollary. It's a corollary. It's the corollary of uh, Bastix. Yeah, yeah, but but so we were down in in Texas. We were in Denton, Texas. We're sitting Ooh. around, and some I don't remember exactly what it was. Probably some guy drove by blowing coal or something. <laughs> and uh, and as he goes by, uh, Dan Bomb says, "Man, that guy's a ding dong." Ah, oh, that's pretty and good. I was like. With a southern accent, especially ding dong, it just, it was like the skies opened up. I said, ding dong, ding dong. And I, I immediately started using it. And then I think dingling, because sometimes you're talking to somebody's mom or grandma, you don't want to say ding dong right, right in front of her. Nope. And I think dingling came as a, like a gentler way of saying ding dong. I started using them both in you know, interchangeably, but I really want to yeah. give credit. I, it's like, it's like all those Instagram accounts where they, they steal a photo and they don't credit the uh, photographer. Yeah. You, you even kept his watermark on. I want to, I want to, Peter. I want to Peter. Thank you, Peter. Peter, you know, Peter's kind of a dick in other ways, so I don't, sure. I'm not going to give him. Yeah. I'm not Can I give, give you my mental model hat. on the distinction and you tell me if you think I'm anywhere close? I feel like, um, and cause Believe it or not, ding dong is also a word that my wife has used as long as I've known her. Okay. And, th- and this, I will cede you that this is probably just a result of my own exposure to one person's usage. But I think of ding dong as a temporary space cadet state and a dingling as being somebody who's, let's, let's reserve dingling for a minute. But she'll go like, oh, geez, I'm such a ding dong. Like, and now I say that, oh man, that was, I I forgot to, I forgot to put the, the cholerary in the Bastic. Uh What a, what a ding dong. And I think of a dingling as being somebody, and maybe now this is probably affected by the internet, but you know, I think a dingling is somebody where you're like, ah, you know, when you see it and it's like, you really haven't thought about that, have you? Mm. That's one of them. Like, how, how do you distinguish if you distinguish? Oh, for sure, for sure. I think I put a little. I lean a little harder on ding dong being, uh, like somebody who's actively, uh, like being stupid. Not, right. not Some, just. You may not be a professional jackass, but you're acting like a jackass right now. So that kind of usage. Well, yeah, but 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 uh, like ding dong feels like the harder edged of the two. Dingling, you seem like a yeah. It's what Keystone you cops. Mother well, child, yeah, sort of yeah. Kind, of, kind of like a baddie spinster aunt, you know, like a dingling. Um, yeah, and you could, you know, like I, I would call my uh, my daughter if she was engaged in some dingling activity. I would say, hey, dingling, don't don't uh, set fire to the. See, this is and John. I, I feel like this could be a rich vein. Um, I don't know if you have other topics uh, top of mind, but... <laughs> no, I never do. Okay, me neither. Um, I, do, I did I listen to a record of yours this weekend, and I wanted to mention that, but there was that. There was one other thing. That's one. I think I have long mm-hmm. COVID. And um, I... Um, so, Ding Dong, Ding Ling, these are also great dad words. Yes. The, and one of the greatest dad words from our time that I, I th- I'm pretty sure you also enjoy. Ah, quit being such a turkey. <laughs> I do love calling somebody a turkey. <laughs> Isn't turkey good? Now, yeah. I don't know. That might be offensive in other lands, but in the U.S., it just means you're being a turkey. So, Sean Nelson used to uh, say turkey 
<laughs> but a funny would, word. But he would. I say got three it. strikes and we bowling on Sunday, and I said I got a turkey. Oh no! Oh, a turkey. Yeah. Sean would always do it in the voice of Richard Dreyfus in the movie hey, Goodbye Girl. Tur- 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 turkey. Turkey. He he had this he had this perfect ability to to imitate Richard Dreyfus only I think in that one instance, but he would say turkey. Oh, I would love for him to develop that. Yeah, and it would put you right in. We'd be in the van. It would put you right into the center of the movie Goodbye Girl, a thing that only people of a certain age and temperament. That was the golden age of the PG movie. <laughs> it really was right in the heart of it. You know, you really you really could take Grandma, and there'd only be a couple scenes that were objectionable. There were there was a you know apart from a, all the Jews, there was a little a little bit. Where's <laughs> <laughs> a goddamn. <laughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash supertrain. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and for growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, you can engage with your audience, and you can sell anything, whether that's your products, services, or even the stuff that you create Whatever it is you want to do, Squarespace has got you covered. So much you can do. You can use their insights to grow your business. So if you've ever wondered where your site visits and sales are coming from and which channels are the most effective, you can analyze all of that in Squarespace. And once you got that data, you can improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on your top keywords or your most popular products and content. Of course, you can sell your products in an online store. Again, whether that's physical objects, digital stuff, whatever it is, Squarespace has the tools that you need to start selling online. One of my favorites, you get started with the best-in-class website template, and then you customize it to fit your own needs. It really is as easy as browsing the category of your business. Uh, You can find a perfect place to start, and then you customize it all yourself. Just a few clicks, a couple drags, and Bob is your uncle. It's the best. Uh, You're using Squarespace right now because that is where the Roderick on the Line podcast is hosted. Uh, Ever thus, it it shall be, uh, one imagines. A big fan of Squarespace. They do my personal sites, and they probably ought to be doing yours uh, as well as for your business. You know, if you got a business, go on to your business and let Squarespace take care of the rest. So right now, please go to squarespace.com slash supertrain. You can get yourself a free trial with no credit card required. And then when you're ready to launch, use our very special offer code SUPERTRAIN. And that's going to get you 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Once more, at squarespace.com slash SUPERTRAIN. Sign up with that offer code SUPERTRAIN for 10% off of your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. (laughs) 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 Oh, Grandpa, tell me again why they can't be Masons. Well... Um, uh, but yeah, goodbye, girl. He was drunk. That one, that one point. There's a I, little. I've never bit of, seen it. I only know it from references. I know the minute. David Gates song, and I know it from a reference on Seinfeld. I've never seen the movie. No, you're kidding. You're kidding me right now. It's the. It, it was. It was 1977 condensed into a single film. Don't talk it's down the, to me when I say gold. <laughs> when I say whenever when I say whatever the fuck I said yeah, a minute ago, whatever that was the gold the golden age of PG movies. I'm thinking here things like you think about your from like seventy six to eighty two. Yeah, no, I was there. Right, I I know. I'm not going to talk down to you. It's your show, but but I think about something like California Sweet, like something that used to be on like HBO or Showtime a lot. Yeah, you know, and back before they put Tate's and everything. But Richard Dreyfuss uh, won the Academy Award for Best Actor. He was the youngest youngest actor to uh, to get an Academy Award. 
Huh. This it's one of the That's great not accurate. At the time. At the time. Mm. There have been younger ones. Well, I mean there was there was, you know, Tatum O'Neill. And did, Yeah, that's did, be, best actress. Oh they used, I they used to make a distinction. That 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 is that is accurate. I've had, you know, a Richard Dreyfus Renaissance in the last year or two mm. where I've returned to Jaws numerous times. I've I've finally returned to Close Encounters a couple times in the last year. So, both movies so much funnier than you remember. And Richard Dreyfus is so funny in both. He's of them. so funny, yes. Although Close Encounters it's, it's fairly, funny. it's funny, but it's slow. And all those yeah. scenes with Terry Gar, they make me, they make me sad. I want to save her. I was watching I, Mr. Mom last week too. Oh, Mr. Mm. Mom. The okay. thing about the thing about Goodbye Girl, it was my first Neil Simon movie. Yeah, it was my first introduction to <laughs> to <laughs> the singer to, from Bread. <laughs> to that whole thing about you know the, the yeah well, yeah the, yeah my well, first like, exposure like, to a thing that wasn't Masonic. Right. Uh, oh, oh. Mm. <laughs> but, but but also the troubled relationship movie. Yes, that's right. And there's there's a there a single mom and a, and a precocious child that that speaks above her her years, but is still emotionally which was fine at the time. We overdid it in the eighties. Little bit, little bit. Yeah. But it's also one of those movies. This is the amazing thing about it. You'll watch it, and you realize that oh, the people in the movie are are. Not only are they supposed to be, but the actors themselves are under 30. But you right. look at it and they seem 45. <laughs> right, right. And now, <laughs> nowadays, like, there's, it's like, I don't know what happened. It's like looking at an old photograph. This looks like at my mom's yearbooks. Yeah. And, and my mom graduated even, in 1956. Right. And we talked about this. Your, your mom, your mom like talked about anymore. wanting to listen. Like my mom listened to Nat King Cole, not the Beatles and Elvis or whatever. The, your mom, you said your mom want, you know, wanted to be an adult. Yeah, she wanted to be jazz. Put aside the childish things. That's right. Mm -hmm. so, it, so watching it, it's a time capsule in so many ways. And uh, I, I sat and watched it with my kid. And she was like, there is no fighting in this movie except for people yelling at each other in the kitchen, which is not the fun kind of fighting. There are no car chases. There's no, yeah. Like who is the star of this movie and why are they doing Richard the third? I don't know what that is. And I, I, I say this, like, nothing, ah. nothing against your daughter, nothing against the world. But I, I do think there are a lot of people who grew up and learned to love movies, new movies based on a certain kind of IP thing mm. at, at the very least. I mean, we've always had movie stars, right? That's, it's one thing to go like, Oh, here's Marsha Mason and right. Marsha Mason yeah. and Richard Dreyfuss and you know them from other things. But like, it, I, I wonder if there are people who watch a movie like that and go like, what is, what is this like about or for? It's just about people, <sighs> you know, people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think I, I don't I can't speak to your taste, but I think a goodie from the classic era of uh, maybe, maybe toward the, the twilight, the last days of PG, good PG movies is, uh, is Tootsie. Tootsie still bangs. Tootsie. So that's, I haven't showed her Tootsie yet, but, uh, but, but we will, that'll Not be as problematic thing. as, uh, as you would guess. Well, we Especially did watch compared Mrs. To Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, we watched Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh boy. A, a movie that I hated when it, when I first tried to watch it. It, I didn't go to see it in the theater, obviously, because I'm not mm -mm. like a, a little baby. Not but a I, forty year old woman. <laughs> but I did. I I'm did, not a baby. <laughs> I did watch it the first time I it came on cable or something, and I couldn't even get past the first. I don't. It was just you so like awful. when he says hello. <laughs> no, so bad. And I watched it with my kid, and we didn't. 
make it to the end. And it was her. She was the one that was like, can we, it's really late. They made Sally Field look like kind of a dick in that. Yeah. And they're, they're doing, so they're doing Mr. Mom essentially. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Uh, but, but I watched goodbye girl when I was her age, <laughs> right? Yeah. I was younger. I was 10. <laughs> I was 10 and I watched it and it was what I, I mean, I'm not saying that I, d- I just wanted to be an adult and be jazz and didn't want to be a kid because I was 10. Of course I wanted to be a kid, mm-hmm. but you know, I had divorced parents. Yes. These were divorced parents. It this was a, like a little this, bit sophisticated. When you'd yeah, see something like in the TV dial ahead. or whatever your newspaper's version of the free TV listings were, you'd see, well, we had the one o'clock movie um, every weekday at one. And it was usually like mm-hmm. 90 minutes to, to two hours. And it was always like, you'd see in parentheses, it would be like drama, 1953. And you're like, two strikes. Because drama always meant like default movie. Like it wasn't funny. It wasn't, it didn't have Robert Shaw like trying to climb something. Right. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? But those kinds of movies, and sometimes if you're in the right mood when you're a little kid and you're watching TV, it really grabs you. Did did you feel a little bit urbane? Or did you feel sad, John? Did you feel sad? Uh, I think my whole life I've been partly uh, uh, steeped in the. Cult, the American culture mm-hmm. of the Upper West Side in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So Annie Hall mm-hmm. and Neil Simon, uh, and so and 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 the the uh, what we were seeing back then was middle class culture, New York as a middle class place. Right. They cover this in Fleischman is in trouble, which takes place now in that area, and oh. it's just a send up of. Is it a movie? Fleischman is in trouble. Uh, it's a Hulu series with Lizzie Kaplan and um, the Mark Zuckerberg guy, whose name I never remember. But that guy, anyway, it's good. And it's based on a wonderful novel. But anyway, it's I, I know I know precisely what you mean because it's really just a send up of all the status nonsense of like getting into the right. Like you, you got to go to the the Jewish center for this drop off and do that thing, and the parents are divorced, and it's a whole thing. But back then, I mean, Jesus Christ, go look at something like Rosemary's Baby. Have you watched Rosemary's Baby? Have you seen that apartment lately? I, I mean, no. I realize it has no spoilers. There are downsides to the location of that apartment. But that, first of all, the movie's extraordinary. But I also, they get it. like a... They it's get a horror a, movie, right? It It is. It's, it's not, I wouldn't call it... It's not like a slasher. I think horror has come to mean too many things. It's, it's a, an occult thriller that mm. is very upsetting. Mm. But they move into this like... And I understand. If you see the movie, you'll know that there's... Oh, that's why. But they get this incredible... Um, like Central Park apartment. It might have been in the Dakota. It might have been in the John Lennon building. Mm-hmm. But like people, normal people used to be able to like find an apartment and rent it at prices they could afford in New York City. Well, or it was just, uh, you know, New York was no place you wanted to be in 1977. Jesus, if there's a time you didn't want to be in New York, that might have been it. But it was still, it was still making culture and it was culture I was consuming. Yeah. And I lived in Alaska, right? The, the, uh, as, and oh, well, shit, we grew up on Sesame Street at a time when it was very New York, set so in New York. And then yeah. the, the concept behind Sesame Street. It's considered Street, pretty jarring for the time of not being like whatever that was, 68, 69, like not being the, the bright and cheery local morning shows that a lot of people grew up with. There's literally a character who lives in trash. Well, and, and 
you know, my first introduction to Puerto Rican kids and mm-hmm. the idea of opening a fire hydrant in the street because you couldn't go to a park. You know, I'm surrounded by trees out here. There was there was no right. not nothing even close to urban in in that time. Seattle was is a western suburban city, right? To kind of defined by by the sprawl and watching growing up at seeing New York as this <clears throat> foreign land and then all this culture coming from it. So there's a part of me deep 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 part of me that feels like growing up in an apartment on the Upper East Side with a mom that had to go to rehearsals in the afternoon because she was trying to get cast <laughs> in a, you know, in a off, like in white noise when the woman has to go teach her posture class. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, Dad is some kind of playwright. Yeah, he, but he's exactly, drunk. he's played by Jeff Daniels, like a squid and a whale type, maybe right. But you got some kind of a dad with patches on his elbows, little little bit of patches, right? Back, back and then, when we would fund the humanities, remember that. And when we when we talk about our childhoods where they were like kick you out of the door and go run around and don't come home until it's dark outside, but in New York you you got that same thing kicked out of the house, but you're riding the subway out to Coney. I, I don't know what they were doing. <clears throat> I've got I've got it in my head what what people in New York were doing, but I don't know. They're I don't always know running what, errands. There's a lot of errands to run in New York. Oh, so many errands. You got to mm-hmm. carry a basket full of, uh, or a basket even full, full of, of uh, coloraries. Full of full of coloraries. <laughs> But you know, I because all of my New York friends all grew up in Connecticut and Massachusetts, and then went to New York. I have a lot college. of friends from bedroom, like well, I think what you, they used to call bedroom communities. Yeah, like Westchester, they, or New Rochelle, you know, places like that. And I have I have some envy about what that must have been like mm-hmm. to be in your twenties living in New York. Um, but that's different. That's different than people that that never didn't live in New York, which mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like pe- people here. who don't people who don't drive, for example, have never you, driven. You meet them sometimes in the West, or at least I did in my twenties. People that had never been out of New York that decided at the age of twenty four that they were going to figure out what all this, you know, talk about Seattle was, mm-hmm. and they'd show up out here like I'm leaving New York. New York sucks, and I'm going to make a new life for myself. And and they really felt it fell into two categories, and one was the people that were like, I've, "I had no idea this was here. Like, it's so green right. and it's so beautiful, and everyone's so friendly." And you know, they just uh, they they felt like uh, they were blooming in a way, and like, "I'll never leave." Right. And then there are the people that were like, "What is wrong with you people?" Like I've been here for three weeks. I've met forty people. Every one of them you has invited me. You can't get Szechuan food at three thirty a.m. here. <laughs> it wasn't that. It was that they didn't understand. They didn't understand how people could a be so friendly and b so disinterested mm, in actually mm. making a friendship. Uh, and I, I met a lot of people that were like, "I'm going back to New York. I don't understand how you can live like this." Because people say. That they're glad to see me, but they don't seem glad to see me. And mm. people are like, uh, interesting. You know, like, you know, it takes it takes. Uh, you have to have fallen in love to have your heart broken. Hmm. I mean, in a sense. You, well, I mean, if you came out there with an expectation, well, first you're going to be like, you know, looking for all the things you hope would be the way you hope. And if you're like me and you're real basic, like the first time I went to New York, I could not have been more basic, as you know. As mm. I, I have, I made my poor sweet girlfriend. We've been to. Um, 
whichever the there's the museum, maybe the Met. And I at like, first I thought you said you made your portly girlfriend. And I was like, <laughs> is that? Did you really? She was zoftig. She was so poorly. <laughs> <laughs> when she sat around the house, uh, but I made my poor girlfriend. We actually had a. Um, I think I had a your pork w- girlfriend. <laughs> what are you trying to say? She's married now and has kids. <laughs> she, she married the drummer from my band. Um, but uh, but it was I was like I made her get on a not made her. She was she was mm-hmm. really sweet about it. But this is of course the source of that me and the Henderson jacket. Mm-hmm. But I, I we went to went uptown. And you can probably guess where I was like, I need a, I need a photo of myself. Moving on a... up. Oh, worse. <laughs> um, where, where did you go? Up to Lexington. One, One two, two, five. five. No. Yeah. Wow. I didn't feel sick and dirty. I felt terrific. And I in the, I still did. have the photo. And I in the back. The neighbors thought you were amazing. <laughs> the Henderson jacket. <laughs> this is Henderson. <laughs> well, there were two in the photo that I still have. There are two different professionally produced signs with typos on them. <laughs> <laughs> Which feels great. But then I could say to people, oh, this is at least where, where Lou Reed has said that he used to go and get heroin. Yeah. He stood right here. I thought that would be fun. I did, a, I did a, I did a, a lot. So anyway, you show up. You're from New York City. You got But I think always it starts with, whether it's a vacation or whatever, there's some part of you that's full of hope. And like you go out and you're like, I, had, I thought, the, you know, I kind of knew it was going to be like this. I'd heard people were not as, you know, tightly wound. And then you get there. But So are you saying then that people get there, they get to, what's the thing that makes them want to go back to New York? They feel like people are, the, the bad boundaries, uh, expectations, they don't want to actually be your friend. What, what is it that sends people uh, back to Manhattan? I, it's. I think that in, in New York, at least in my experience, there is there are so many people, and everybody's got so much to do, and they're all so crowded together. There really isn't any room, any emotional space for artifice, right? <laughs> you can't. I mean, there are plenty of people faking it in New York, but you just don't have time to say, "Hey, we should get together sometime," and then have them call. Mm-hmm. And go. Oh, we're really busy that weekend. Can oh, we but try then you next go and weekend? You meet people who seem nice, right? Out here, everybody's right. nice. Yes. In New York, if you're like, "Hey, we should get together sometime," people, I think, will legitimately say, "Yeah, we." I mean, you know, maybe. Well, I, if I could say, at least for me, a lot of the time, and then you leave it at that. And you leave it at that. You know, like we like in some countries, you gotta you gotta you gotta ask for something. Like, say you want to get divorced, you gotta ask three times or whatever, right? Those kinds of things. I think it's something where somebody goes, you know what? We should uh, we should hang out more. And the other person goes, yeah, we should. Now that's yeah. a nice exchange, even though it's never gonna happen. But you're and saying to even, each other, I I, I I like you, and I'm gonna at least create present the guise of being interested in actually doing something about that. And then you seem like a creep because you keep calling the person. I think even that is a West Coast idea. Is you it know, really? when I was uh, when, I, when I lived back when I lived there in whatever that was, two thousand one. For I was only there for a summer. Yeah, but I would meet people and I would say, "Hey, we, you know, we should get together." And they would go, "Great, give me your number." And I would give them my number, which in Seattle was no indication of anything. That meant nothing. Oh, you've got my number. Yeah, give me a call sometime. And then they would call me and they would say, let's get together. And I would would say, well, I just met you. Like, why would I want to get together with you? I hardly know you. And they're like, I I think there's one, uh, this is, you can call this a cliche, but in my experience, this is very, if you want to just do, some people seem to love these East Coast versus West Coast things. And it's like a whole Mm -hmm. thing you're supposed to have a strong opinion about. But Mm -hmm. here's one thing I will, I do think is pound for pound, 
true is that people in New York or, you know, on the, on the East Coast in general, but let's focus on New York. This is actually pretty good. We'll, we'll say East Coast in general, New York in particular, and then you got West Coast in general and say San Francisco in particular or, or Seattle. It works for both. You, um, if you make a plan, you show up. You do things. You say mm. you're going to do something, and you do it. Mm. And that's why I think in, in an odd way that I did not pick up at first, the boundaries of people in New York are very wholesome in some ways. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's I a agree. bright line. It's, you really understand like, you know, what you're dealing with. Yeah. And you, you oughtn't inconvenience people, and you oughtn't tell fibs to people. And mm. out here, there's this whole like, you know, kind of wavy gravy, I'll just show up whenever thing. Yeah, I, I, if I, if I show up, or I might just, as we say, it's in the '90s, I might just flake. I hear, I hear. Uh, when I was young, I heard a lot as I traveled around uh, that people didn't think I seemed like I was from the West Coast. I would, I would talk to people, and they're like, "You sure you're from the West Coast? Hmm. You really, you really seem like an East Coast person." And it was because of the way I talked, right? I was, I was direct. Yes, I was not interested in. You know, just sitting and blathering. I was just like, "Oh, tell me more about that. Like, who are you again? What? Tell me. <laughs> are you, you know, sure like, you're in this busy monster?" <laughs> I would, get, I would get really in really fast, and so people. That's would, really interesting. I get in this that. general way would just be like, and I and I and people would ask me all the time, "Are you Jewish?" Mm-hmm. And I would say, "No, I'm not at all Jewish." And they would go, "Oh, I'm sorry. I just uh, for a second there, I thought." I just detected a mannerism or something. And they would always be Jewish people, right? They were like trying to figure out, are you Jewish? Because you kind of talk like like uh, mm-hmm. a Jewish person. Mm-hmm. And it was that directness and it was that it was that curiosity, I think. And it was not characteristic of what people thought of as West Coast behavior, right. which right, is right. like, oh, yeah, hey, man, cool, whatever. Yeah, try to, try to never actually say anything. Like, and so I, I really felt akin to other places when I would, you know, when mm-hmm. I went to New York, I, I felt in a way weirdly at home hmm. because it was like everybody was trying to get to the point as fast as they could to decide whether or not they were going to punch out of this or stay in it. And so, you know, they meet you and they're like, so what's your deal? What's going on here? Why are you here? What's, and then they're like, okay, great. And then Thanks you're a sitting lot. at a desk with like six <laughs> telephones. Huh? Yeah. All right. Dang, yep. Chop, chop, right. Chanel. Oh, another great dad phrase, Chanel. <laughs> Oh, 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 my kid learned Rouse the other day. Really? She was like, what does Rouse mean? And I was like, it means get out. It means go. And she was like, Rouse. And now she's walking around. Rouse. Oh, no, 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 no. no, I I usually I associate that with 70s dads and station wagons. Yeah, Rouse. Or, you know, for a while in the in the nineties, everybody was saying, Diddy Mao, Diddy Mao. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can't do that anymore. Or maybe you can. Who knows? <laughs> maybe, Nobody maybe. watches Vietnam movies anymore as part of Is that true? That yeah, breaks I don't my think heart. They do. I know. Huh. I know. It was a time. It was a time. Um you know, I, I, this is a kind of a, a random thought, but it seems like kind of up your alley. Um so the the basic thesis that I'm just tossing out for discussion is Let's that hear it. Well, okay, so I have this idea about cities that I've sort of glommed onto in the last year. And if I were to – this is just one aspect, an introduction. Which your, is that, city, your city right now, by the way, is in all the newspapers. I don't know if you know oh, about it. I, this is, this is – J- Jason keeps me completely up to date on what's happening. <laughs> he, even has a, he even has a hashtag for it when he texts me. Oh, Yeah, hashtag Chrome. San, 
Cron? What yeah, does Cron mean? San Francisco Chronicle. Oh. Is, right. Oh, the open air drug market's opening and they can't keep a Walgreens <laughs> open. Somebody stole three Walgreens this weekend with a with a with a push cart. There's no way that you can know Jason Finn and uh and know him for any length of time. Uh, without eventually imitating him, I and when you imitate him, him <laughs> like him you, so much. It, you always end up sounding like Krusty the Clown. Uh, I almost swallowed some of the juice. <laughs> 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 Boo! You're breaking my heart. Uh, and so this this comes out of, um, admittedly, out of getting an e-bike and riding it around and e-bike e-bike, and, and as somebody who has. You know, five years and several thousand miles on Segway scooters of various kinds. But so if I if I was going to summarize this, and and when I'm being sensitive with people who love their goddamn cars, I I end up finding myself saying to them, for example, I'm not anti-car. I'm pro options. Oh, and the you you should have a custom sweatshirt made. I might. We should sell sell that. We need to make a shirt. Don't yell at me. And on the back say, (laughs) excuse me. They should print that on the money here. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, I'm sorry. Was I bothering you being alive in an intersection? Is that is that, is that a problem for you? Were you were, were you on your way to go and uh, and and do strike breaking? Um, but, but, uh, and I, I think that's meaningful. And the way I phrased this in that document, I always refer to, was to say that a great city is defined in part by the number of options that ordinary people have. For and this is kind of a big thought. Is this Thomas Jefferson? No, no, it's Merlin. Hello. Okay, all right. Um, A great city is defined in part by the number of options that normal people have for getting from point A to point B, but also exploring points between point A and B and beyond point A and B. And I think I... I, Point A and B and beyond. Right. So, I mean, you take take a classic example of like, I need to go pick up a prescription or I need to you know, get seltzer water or whatever. And that is, uh, you know, kind of an A to B thing. It's never A to B, as I learned from the TV show Patriot. It's never just A to B. But, but you know what I'm saying? You've got the stuff, you've got an errand to run, like they do in New York. You need to go buy some ibuprofen or a bastic of potatoes. And, and I, I, I don't think those are incompatible ideas at all, that to say, like, I'm not anti-car, I'm, I'm pro-options. That only becomes a problem when so many decisions, legacy decisions that are like 60, 70 years old and more recent decisions constantly favor one option over the others. Oh, sure. And if there's any option that's always going to win, I think I think we mostly know what it... We know the option that's going to win. But anyway, and, and to expand that a little more broadly, I wonder how much... Do, should we think about the vitality of a community in some ways based on the number of employers it has? Hmm. Because when you said that about Seattle, my first thought was, and I didn't want to interrupt you, my first thought was, oh, you like Boeing. Like a lot of people, those bedroom or those suburbs were people who worked at Boeing, but also supported the needs of people who worked at Boeing and probably other places. And this goes back to a thing I saw on the Tallahassee Democrat in probably 1991. And it said it, it had a list of the biggest employers in Leon County, which is where Tallahassee is situated. Uh, and I don't remember the exact order, but it was Florida government, uh-huh. Florida State University, uh-huh. Florida State Hospital. Well, FAMU, the the uh, engineering, the, the historically black engineering school, and um, Walmart. And oh, there's something even about, even yeah, Walmart. there's something about, it, and I know that that's not a conclusive way to look at it, but like probably a, like a plurality of people in Tallahassee, Leon County, whatever, 
are employed at one of those places, or importantly, a lot of what enables their employer to pay them comes out of people who work in one of those places. Yeah, I right. used to say about Pasco County, which you know I love. It's like it's it's people who working work at Seven Eleven helping other people who work at Seven mm-hmm. <laughs> Eleven. So what the, there's nobody makes anything here. Now, mm-hmm. what, is there anything to that? Do you think there's any vitality to be found? Because and I, I'm contrasting that with New York because it is very fair to say New York, at least at one time or another, has been considered the capital of finance. Um, mm-hmm. It's a big deal in publishing, all those kind. But they, it's not all that's there. Mm-hmm. It's there's when those people run around doing errands, they're doing errands about a lot of different shit. Mm. I don't know. Does, I, does, that, does that resonate? I, does that resonate I, at all with you? Yeah, I, potentially. I, you know, New York until very like this is the thing about New York in the seventies. There was still an incredible garment industry. They oh, were shit, making yes. clothes there for the like for manuf- all of America, not just designing and not just pushing around those carts like in movies, but like right. like like in the same way that if you bought a Timbuktu bag, the really cool you know messenger bags in San Francisco, mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. until the two thousands, it was made by a Mexican lady on Third Street. Like mm-hmm. they were made in San Francisco by American people. Yeah, no, I, I don't mean to, I'm not trying to press there on you know the the American part. I don't know if they were you know documented or otherwise, but yeah, that went to China in like 2005, and they're really not as good. The first few times I went to New York, you could still walk through the garment district and look in the any open door, look in any window, and there <laughs> buildings for blocks and blocks full of people with sewing machines and they were literally making the clothes that I now buy in thrift stores making and go, triangle shirtwaists this was made <laughs> this was made in New uh, York City New York City yeah that's right Get in the world. <laughs> uh, but also you know i mean the meat packing district was full of people packing meat that's the thing and this is this is a big i'm, I'm interrupting my request for a, an explanation to just say this is what happens fucking everywhere yeah and especially with this has been part of the post reconstruction history of black people in America is migrating to where jobs are. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times those jobs were, you know, not high tech. It was working in a, in like uh, like in Cincinnati or Chicago, big meatpacking stuff going on and slaughterhouses and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, saw, we saw the Oppenheimer movie this weekend and I was thinking about how like Oak Ridge uh Oak Ridge, Tennessee, which yes. I've been to, is, well, yeah, we used to go to Gatlinburg all the time. Um, but Oak Ridge is where they enriched, I don't know if it was uranium, I think it was uranium, maybe plutonium. But, you know, they spent $2 billion on Trinity and, like, Manhattan Project. And so, like, all of that, all those jobs kind of, I think, kind of came and went. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Oak Ridge, I know, remains, like, an, I have a, we, ha- we have a mutual acquaintance who has been, who has worked adjacent to engineering things at Oak Ridge. But I don't know. It's just that you think about, I guess, if we want to get real dumb and, and, and lefty about it. Yeah. So Walmart comes in, mom and pop places close, very inefficiently run hostile companies, and it's replaced by a horp a corporate hostile company. And then when they leave, because they went, it's like Starbucks. You open a new Starbucks, it makes money. You just keep opening new Walmarts, close the ones you don't like, and now you're fucked. Yeah. So like that, that, and that's, let's look at, you know, we're living here in Allentown, you know. I went to a weird <clears throat> a weird event uh, a couple of days ago where uh, a woman I know named Erin Jorgensen <clears throat> was playing the marimba. Mm. And then, and it's like space marimba. Do people keep checking their phone? No, no, you, you I, don't I always dare. feel like the marimba sound. No, no, just because oh, the marimba sound now has become so synonymous to me with an iPhone. Ah. <laughs> 
but she's doing like marimba through uh, through delay pedal, and her it's a real marimba. It's like fourteen feet long, and she's a a, a small woman. <laughs> so it's not an e marimba. It's not an e marimba. It's not something that you would get at a music store. This is something that was handcrafted by uh, Balinese people or something. And then after the marimba concert. A, uh, a a man of my acquaintance got up and get, he's a, f- a philosophy professor at the local uh, University of Washington, and he got up and gave a uh, an hour long lecture on how AI is not actually thinking mm-hmm. and not capable of of uh, of thought per se. It keeps pa- it keeps. Solve it, you know, it passes Turing tests and then they change the Turing test and it passes the new Turing test. And he's saying, we, we, we keep making tests to, to, to figure out whether computers are intelligent based on what we think is an impossible thing for a computer to accomplish. Turns out they, they get there by a different method. Right. And, right. and, and our, our test was, was poorly <laughs> conceived. But he keep, you know, he was trying to tell, trying to reassure everybody that AI wasn't, uh, you know, they they weren't, it wasn't ever going to be able to think, really. Mm-hmm. And 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 in, as part of this, he's describing. I what suppose thinking part of the is. marimba concert. So everybody show up marimba concert, followed by uh, AI lecture. AI lecture. Was it scheduled? No. Well, yes, yes. This is a Seattle type of, you know, this is uh, in New York. Those would be two separate concerts and each one would cost 50 bucks here. Mm-hmm. It was pay mm-hmm. what you want. It was put $5 in Sorry. a jar and, uh, <laughs> and she's going to um, play the marimba for an hour uh, through a delay pedal. And then he's going to talk about AI. It's <clears throat> <laughs> kind of amazing. At the end, it was very clear that the, to me at least, that the problem was not that AI was going to take over. Mm-hmm. Uh, in any meaningful sense that the computer would know anything. But this thing that that you're partly describing, which is, you know, the, the transition from an America that made things to an America that wrote about people making things. And since then our number one export was like... Uh, to a country, to a country w- that just hearted photos of people making things. Yeah, right. And and now now we are we are it's it's kind of hard to know in an information economy what exactly all those people in the Salesforce building are doing. And absolutely. COVID, yeah. COVID came along and we realized that well, 60% of them obviously weren't doing enough to stay employed by that company because everybody got yeah, got uh, uh do gone. Do we really need that many managers for doing things? You know? And in Seattle now, especially a city that used to be uh, the main employers were Boeing and Weyerhaeuser, and then you, uh, everybody else was trying to exploit nature in some way. They were going out into the ocean or or the forest and trying to f- steal things, right? Mining resources. <laughs> um, and now, what do we do? Like none of us uh, really uh, make anything. None of the people here make anything. They're they're um, uh, they're just doing. They're making computers, and <laughs> the thing about AI is that AI is going to be uh, really good at making computers. Well, yeah, AI is going to not only be good at making computers, but it's also going to be writing all our sitcoms. It's going to be drafting all the letters. It's going to be. I mean, it, it's going to be making the music. Right? There's no difference right now. 
(laughs) between half the pop music and what a computer could already do. Mm. And once you are feeding in good pop music into the machine, it's just going to figure out it's not. It's formulaic, right? It's not going to be hard for the computer to be like, here's the the latest tune. (laughs) And so at that point, what are we going to be making? Mm -hmm. Um, Like what... What would, if, if we've been laughing about the fact that our thousands of hours of us podcasting is going to be ripe material to be mined by a, you know, some future bot, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but, but really it is. And if, if, if we were doing a podcast that was about stuff (laughs) rather than the one we're doing, yeah which is about no stuff. Right. I think it'll be very hard to duplicate a no stuff podcast, but it would be really easy to start ginning up stuff podcasts. Right. Because every time you go on Instagram now, there's some robot voice that's like, this girl has a cat. The cat is jumping on a tree. Right. Look at the cat jump on a tree. They do that on the TikTok. They do it on the TikTok. Yeah, my kid shows me. I, I don't have a TikTok, but I've, I, I, I've seen, I know, what you're ta- I know what you're talking about. So, and, and this, this is concerning to you. What, 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 we're already not making much. Are, are, we, are we heading for a future where we make even less? Is that well, the question? I, the, we'll, we'll always improvise, right? But the whole question of um, all the money going up to the top one point or point zero zero one percent of the, of the, the mega rich. Um, there's always going to be people that are cleaning hotel rooms because there's always going to be hotel rooms and or presumably, oh, no, that's right. That'll be robots too. What am I talking about? There's just going to be when the trucks are driven by robots, which is which is right, right on the horizon I think it's going to continue to be tough, however you want to slice this. And I don't say this, I don't mean this to sound unkind, but I think in, in numerous ways, as has already been happening for 50 years, 40 years, is that people who do not have the skills that are in demand that are doing well, and some skills are super in demand. Like, have you tried to get anything fixed on your house lately? Like, it's really hard to find people to do. <laughs> all That's what of, I'm saying. <laughs> Don't send your kids to college. No, teach them how to pick up a hammer. <laughs> Take, t- teach them how to answer a call. <laughs> That's right. It's the one thing that computers and robots will not be able to do is restore a mid-century modern kitchenette. Mm. For a while, it's going to mm-hmm. be a long time before you can program that into a computer. Yeah, yeah. But you know, like Photoshop, how long before you can just say, "Hey, uh, take that, take my uh, daughter out of that picture with her friends and put her in a, a picture standing next to Stalin." Put her in a more presentable skirt. Yeah, that's right. Can you make her seem a little less petulant, mm-hmm. and the computer will just be like, "Your warp." Could you please soften her, soften her eyes a little? <laughs> so all of She's the people so right now that I'm paying two hundred dollars an hour to make my daughter look less angry in uh, in Photoshop, you know, they're all going to be out of work. I guess, yeah, right. I mean, how yeah. hard is it to write a sitcom? I, I I watch TV a little bit now. Yeah, I'm watching this show called Silo. Yeah, and. I love that you know, actress. They do a they do a good amount of world building mm-hmm. that's based on a on a world that Blade Runner built for us all forty years ago. Thank you, Blade Runner. Thank you, Blade Runner. But they, <clears throat> I cannot tell yet, a half a dozen episodes in, whether this is all 
just drama about drama and there's no there there you know how I, TV shows I, I, do I, I that watch, to you? yeah i do i watch it's like marvel movies in general like am i just here to connect dots mm-hmm. I, i've watched it i liked it. i thought i love is that her name? rebecca ferguson i love her mm-hmm. i think the whole cast is great and mm-hmm. uh, like all apple tv shows it seems like it's been heavily desaturated to like where ugh, i don't know it's just but why but, is it so dark why is all television so dark so, now bleh. turn the lights on oh, for come Christ on sake. you guys you're gonna ruin your eyes <laughs> halfway through every tv show now i have to stand up from the couch and go turn off every light in the house because i'm like what is happening is that a dragon we were watching good omens which i can highly recommend and my kids obsessed with this show um and yeah they're they're that's it's you know the famous one that i in particular was like i'm like even me like i've got a tv it's got a bunch of settings i know how to use it i know what to generally expect from things but there were a few episodes of that last season of game of thrones that were comical there's one where they've got the whole like siege on the on a tower you know scene where it's just it's just a bunch of people with beards running around in like near full darkness yes 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 and well there was another show just why did my jar so hard to open it just it just felt like (laughs) it felt like you're getting paid millions of dollars to make this, and you're basically just uh, people you just the set DMV up a camera are so in the dark. disrespectful. <laughs> you just are, you're just throwing dirty clothes at a camera in the dark, and this yeah. is the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that I I think that for I I, I stood up at this lecture, and I said because he was like, "Any questions?" And then a bunch of ding dongs asking ding dongs <laughs> questions. <laughs> Like it's a, it's one of these. It's a Seattle <laughs> thing, know, right? They'll, so, they'll tire themselves out. <laughs> yeah, the question and answer. Well, there were, there were any also, that were actually more of a comment than a question. It's, oh, <laughs> it's really a performance of the audience. Like I have a question. No. Um, Here's the thing then, I know. <laughs> I said uh, because I like to wait until the very end when it's like, okay, one more question. Everyone's I'm exhausted like, and wants to leave. I, I always too feel much like, gamelon or no. Why don't, uh, I, why don't I wrap this up for everybody? Uh, why don't I take I mean, all of your qu- questions and comments uh-huh, uh-huh. and condense you them down a to one? Full of punctuation. Yeah, I'm just going to finish this up. <laughs> yes. And yeah, I yeah. said, look, I'm not I worried. We're about done AI. here. <laughs> I'm not worried about AI replacing me because I've got style. Mm. But I'm worried about AI replacing all of you. Yeah. And by worried, I mean not really that worried. Uh, As long as the, you know, as long as there's macaroni and cheese in the cupboard. Yes. You know. What are you going to do? Well, right? I mean, somebody's got to make the macaroni and cheese. Uh, I, can't do that. this is the, the affliction that I developed in the mid eighties when I went to college of, of being a liberal arts student who says things like it depends. And I think I see both sides. <laughs> yeah. Well, but like I, with that said, I absolutely understand that. Um, and I, I, I don't have like a mean thing to say about, Oh, well, you know, you're, shitty press release should have been more interesting no i mean it's gonna it's gonna have an impact but i think a a somewhat modern example of this that i think it's not directly related unless you take an actual historical point of view but i'll bet there were people who first saw spreadsheets and were like we're not gonna need bookkeepers anymore well you remember when they you remember when the computers are gonna put everybody out of work well no it was gonna be a paperless office oh i know if you make an eniac then there won't be any people to do the the serve or the um uh what do they call that the uh every 10 years the remember the what 
the thing, the thing right. where they go around and see how many people live in, the, in America. Oh, the census. census. Like, you know, like that's going to put census workers out of work or IRS workers or whatever. And like, there's, and well, yeah, yeah, but yeah, but like, and like, if you want some complexity for this shit, automobiles put a lot of buggy whip salesmen out of work. It's true. And, I, and then and they I, figured I'm, it out. I'm usually a guy that is right there with you on that. You know, I'm the like, uh, I'm, 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 I, I super am. It's all going to work out guy. Well, I, I, and just to be clear, just to state my own case, I, I'm not, I'm not saying, I don't know if it's going to be all right, but I do think it is valuable sometimes to pump the brakes on something that's being presented almost purely emotionally and without people having any fucking experience at all with actually using this stuff, which is fine. That's, that's people's prerogative to have a strong opinion about something they've never even used if you use this shit you're gonna go oh yeah this is gonna be fuck it's i always think of things like cooking in the kitchen well my grandmother got a microwave in 1979 but she still kept cooking i have a microwave today i still keep cooking we have a coffee maker that doesn't mean that we you know what i mean it's like these these things do come along and sometimes it's for the worst where you go like fax machines will we ever be done with fax machines it was this technology that was very innovative and disruptive at the time and now, you know, it's just such a nuisance that you only use with lawyers and accountants. I feel right? like the difference, though, and it's yeah. a key difference, <clears throat> is that... It's really more of a comment. <laughs> this is really more of a comment, is that we're talking now about these uh, algorithms being able to, to make low-grade culture and... We're talking about that at a time when there has been a steady decline in the quality of culture that is mass culture. Like an AI is never going to be able to write. Really? A, yeah, I think so. Hmm. I mean, there's a lot of garbage. There's a lot of really good TV shows that didn't used, that didn't used to be. There are a lot of TV shows. Hmm. Yeah. Some small proportion of them are good. If mm -hmm. you go on, I mean, I know, I know I don't have to tell you about oh. going on and looking, oh. but if you go on and look, there are a lot more good, there are a lot more TV shows than there are good TV shows mm -hmm. and somebody's watching them all. <laughs> and most of them are, are bad, right? I yeah. mean, even blockbuster movies, well, there've always been bad blockbusters. They did a, they did a funny bit on SNL a few years ago where it was a fake Netflix commercial. And I, I think the name, they're like, there's so many shows and all the shows and like, including Kenny Me Junction and only one person watches it. And it's a very elderly Kate McKinnon going, I love Kenny Me Junction. And that's sometimes you're like, wow, it's, it's funny that alongside the the sort of public rifts we see in the discourse. It's just also, we're all so in our, not only saying our own, our own bubble, but like there, there is stuff where like somebody's going to be heartbroken if, if you, you know, if you cancel, uh, you know, flip this boat. Or whatever. But you know, there are also really great shows that are getting canceled. Yeah. So clearly there, nobody's <clears throat> making a great TV show and only one person is watching it. You know, mm -hmm. there are the, the, the shows that are, that have hundreds of millions of, viewers i guess are all these ones where you put 15 beautiful people on an island and uh and and then <laughs> then it's wait for them to the have greatest intercourse, game. intercourse and fight yeah or one, yeah. one guy with a with an elmer fudd hat and a rifle is uh, chasing them down that's the that's my pitch <laughs> but the, 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 <laughs> the deadliest rifle <laughs> right now the majority of people that vote republican believe that the election of 2020 was illegitimate and stolen. Mm -hmm. So there is a, an audience of tens of millions of people that don't 
that that are prepared to consume very low grade ideas, right? And they're prepared to believe really dumb things, and they don't care. And we're that group of people is now leading us into a time when computers that are owned by you know, by a, a very small cadre of people are capable of generating material at least that good. Mm-hmm. You know, like how smart does a writer have to be to say, oh, all of the liberals are are eating babies. Like how, like you, if a writer wrote that, you'd be like, you're fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the culture of millions of people, right? So, so we're just now. This isn't, I don't think, a, the same as fax machines. We're we're in a place where there can be this regurgitating, like a like a cultural sink, like a like a, a whirlpool of the information that people will believe and enjoy and consume. Now, the 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 standard is so low that it really could be made. By, by machines and it's just a garbage gyre all the way down hmm. and you know you and I are going to be sitting somewhere <clears throat> watching <clears throat> our prestige television that you can't even see because it was filmed in the dark <laughs> and we're like oh yes watching you know. I Claudius on an 8 inch Sony portable <laughs> it's the only true way to watch it <laughs> but you know but even that stuff like the like this movie Silo the, 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 the lead character is named Juliet and there's uh and that's taken as like oh that's you know that you know what that's a reference to mm. a famous play hmm. and you know and the and the 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 show is giving us these little like oh it's a pez dispenser but they don't know what it is it's the past it's the future all these little cookies that are that if you step even one step oh, back, when they go like, down into the thing and yeah, and they're see just that, pandering yeah. to us. They know who the audience is, and mm-hmm. it's just going to be little. Oh, what's the next one? A lot of us one's... love post-apocalyptic. TV. We love it. Yeah. We love it. We love zombies, but it's not smart. You know, it's just smarter. And none of us really have the bandwidth for smart anymore. When's what's the last actually smart thing you consumed or did? And I don't mean listening to pavement. Like I mm. used to do smart things all the time. I used to go to marimba I got concerts. So much followed style, by, and it's wasted. <laughs> I got a lot of style. So I was much the style. Most stylish person at this at this AI lecture, and it was a room full of very stylish people. <laughs> Did that you all get had, a trophy? <laughs> that all had comments. Uh, you know, Let's questions. go ahead and call up uh, Professor John Roderick, who obviously the shop dress, shop dress man. Hello, hello, hello. How, let, how, me just, how. let me just wrap this up. I know this was supposed <laughs> to be an hour. Okay, long. okay, everybody, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. <laughs>